so uh, welcome everybody to a new episode here on The Simple Christian. My name is Josue. Yours truly. I thank you guys for joining me here today. If you guys are new, I'd like to appreciate you guys for constantly coming in and just, you know, giving it a click. If you guys are constantly coming in here, thanks for being a constant listener. I, I, I enjoy you guys' encouragement and the reviews and the rates and whatnot. All that been, has been a blessing in, in me growing. So today I have an interesting person, uh, a huge Instagram uh, fan, I would say. Um, he, he goes by St. Corinthians 2.1. Whatever current trend is going on, you can expect him to put a meme up pretty quick. Um, he also has a very interesting backstory that I would love for him to share. And I, I'm sure you guys would be quite edified and intrigued by it. And so today we have Brother Matthew. Thank you for uh, coming in. Oh, thank you so much for the invite. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. So um, just to kind of start this off, kind of kick it, uh, definitely give us and share with us in, you know, a few minutes or whatnot, your your story, um, something you've done for over 16 years. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, like you said, uh, over 16 years, um, my personal testimony is about a three and a half hour story, uh, but uh, I won't keep you here for that, <laughs> that long. Uh, but uh, but yeah, as, uh, to to kind of bring it in just kind of a succinct uh, summarization is just that for 16 years I was in the world of mysticism, occult, and witchcraft. Uh, started with that light mysticism and then just grew deeper and deeper and darker and darker until I just fell completely into the whole world of the occult and divination, enchantment, spear conjuring, the whole, the whole, I had the whole world. I had tons of friends and, uh, and people, uh, acquaintances uh, of which I think we have enough technical difficulties. Oh yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah, can, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. All right, so uh, did it cut out the previous what I was talking about? Yeah, where you say you had tons of friends. That's where it cut off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so I had tons of friends and uh, acquaintances uh, of witches, warlocks, uh, fortune tellers, diviners, you name it. And people always kind of uh, go weird on that and wonder, you know, the reality of it. But because, you know, there's a lot of cold readers, you know, the circus fortune teller in the tent, you know, or the crazy lady on the street with a million neon signs, you know, poverty. <laughs> uh, they're, all, they're, they're all cold. They're all cold reader frauds, the vast majority of them. And because of the, of the frauds, people think that all magic is fraud or just like Hollywood Harry Potter. Well, all because there's frauds that doesn't invalidate the real, just like there's fraudulent Christians doesn't invalidate the real. And... Uh, so Very true. Hollywood has done a great spin on getting people to think that it's all just fantasy, science fiction made up, you know. Well, you got to look at the origins of where, what inspired them, what, what, where did they get the ideas? Not to mention when the infallible word of the living God specifically talks about witches and witchcraft and sorcery and wizardry and all of the different occult arts then that kind of gives a bit of a light to the validation of it, justifies the reality of it. And so that there actually is something out there. And, and so, yeah, I was involved in that world. I was a head instructor and teacher of witchcraft and the occult. Uh, I was a specialist and master in uh, the arts of divination, enchantment, and spirit conjuring, specifically those three. 
Um, I had a ton of familiar spirits that would regularly manifest to me and speak to me and everything else. And I'd speak to them. They'd teach me things and they would show up. And uh, I had all kinds of abilities and things through that world. And I taught it all. I was I conducted mass rituals with hundreds of people. Um, I wrote specifically wrote entirely new systems of of occult magic uh, so yeah i i know that world it's very real and uh, now as a born-again christian a believer in the lord god jesus christ by grace through faith through belief alone uh, is, is uh, the blood of jesus christ canceled my blood pact with the devils as yes i had entered a blood pact i cut myself and signed it to a special witchcraft uh, sigil that i had crafted and burned it in a ritual and conjured uh, some uh, the more powerful uh, spirits bound myself by blood oath and uh, but the blood of Jesus Christ is greater and uh, but uh, ever since I got born again saved I've been working in the fields of apologetics and evangelism and uh, as a missionary to witches and the world of the occult and leading them out and leading them to the true power to the true knowledge of the real God now before you got into into the 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 witchcraft before you get into that world did you have any prior knowledge about christianity oh yeah uh when i was five years old uh, my mom and dad got born again saved and my dad was called of the lord to go to bible school and to, to take up his uh, training there and to become a pastor so i grew up since i was about six years old i grew up as a pastor's kid um it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure a lot of pressures. I grew up as a pastor's kid, uh, going to all the junior uh, junior church, the Awanas, the Sparkies, the youth groups, the whole nine yards, homeschooled, church school, uh, mm. scriptures drilled into me. I grew up the whole the whole life. My dad's still a pastor, and uh, he and so there's a so there was a lot of uh, previous knowledge and all this. And people wonder, you know, how in the world would you fall away? Well, it's because I wasn't saved. Mm. So even if you're raised in a Christian home, that, is, that doesn't really put the uh, the cap in the jar that you will be a Christian. You can't get yeah. into heaven on the coattails of others. Absolutely true. You'd be surprised when you go evangelizing. People say, well, my, my dad was a pastor. You're right. He's a pastor. You're not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I noticed one thing. When I was looking into this, uh, I was on YouTube and I was looking up information on witchery or new age and the secret. I'm not sure if all of those kind of intertwine, but I, I noticed a trend and I'm just kind of maybe shooting off the hip. There seems to be more females than men in this, at least on YouTube that I can see. Um, yes. It, to to be able to explain that overview, a lot of people aren't aware of how exactly the world of the occult and all that kind of stuff works. That a lot of people think it's just a random esoteric, you know, spiritual practice. No, right. absolutely not. It, it, it is a religion. It's a religion. And just like uh, in Christianity, you have multiple different denominations and then under each of those denominational headers like say for example let's say uh, baptist you have first baptist you you have fellowship baptist you have convention conventional baptist you, all the different types of baptists 
all the sub-denominations under the main denominational header. Okay. Book is the basic overall, like how you would say Christianity. You would say occult. And then under occult, you've got witchcraft, wizardry, sorcery, shamanism, all these, each of those. And then under each of those, you have a spider web of sub-denominations. Mm. Now, you can mix and match each of those, uh, bits and pieces from here and there, and build up your own path. You can't find the one that you like. So it's very chaotic. It's quite a mess in that way because it's, it's very open, and it's open to your personal interpretation. Now, the reason why, for example, in witchery itself is, is very female-based, well, that's because women are witches, not men. Okay. Uh, a, man, a man who practices witchcraft would be called a warlock. Okay. Witches, witches have covens. The warlocks have grottos. Uh, it's completely different. Now, even the way in the approach, very rarely will you see a male witch. Now, the reason why people like him for myself, when people ask me, you know, I was into witchcraft, I was a practicing witch, is because a lot of people don't really understand the full details of how the denominationalism works in that world. So you just say, because people are familiar with that term and they know what you're talking about. So you use that. But uh, to be very specific, uh, uh, that uh, when it came, comes down to it, I was a warlock, a, a male practitioner of witchcraft, of the male form, variant. Mm. Now, what does that entail? Or what are the requirements to be a male warlock? Well, without getting into specific details, which I won't do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it's not like, you know, how the brain dead, stupid Harry Potter films shows it. It's just all, you just, <laughs> At some point, that had to come up. <laughs> yeah. But where where you just pick up this enchanted stick and the stick does and you just say words? No, absolutely not. It's not like that. It, it, it's not like some Joe Blow can just walk in off the street and just start repeating some words and then he can mm-hmm. just wheel around magic cards. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it's a lifelong devotion. Okay. Is if you're just a you know just a it's the difference between between an enthusiast and an expert. Okay. And an enthusiast, you know, it's like their hobby. You know, they like it. They find it interesting. Well, they might learn some little things, but they won't be like the expert who goes to the university and gets degrees and their whole life is devoted to it. It's an entirely different thing. True. Uh, is that to become something like that, you can't just, you know, title yourself and because everybody that is in that world will know that you're you're just absolutely a fraud you're a wannabe yeah bandwagon and the the wannabes will be destroyed Mm. now um to be something like that you actually have to devote your life to it. it it it's more than just words you believe it you believe it you you literally it's a rip off plagiarizing scripture you die to self and gotcha. you die to self and you get in touch with your guides, your spirit guides, animal mm-hmm. guides, guys, whatever you want to call them, which are demons, which are the devils, the fallen angels who masquerade as whatever creatures that you, that, that uh, will associate with you the best and the easiest uh, that you will kind of click with. The, and uh, they'll teach you and guide you and bring you along. And it can be anywhere from months to years to decades. For me, it was 16 years. 
Wow. It wasn't until about 16 years uh, is when I finally was calling myself a warlock and I was actually ready to step out and mm. uh, and take on the, the whole life of that. Um, it, it's not something to play around with and it's not easy. Yeah. For people who just who are just not getting into like New Ageism, since it always seems to be a trend on my Instagram feed. I don't know why. There's always somebody throwing a New Age terminology and I don't think they really know what they're saying. And they, they get involved. I, I'll give you a story. So when I was in massage therapy school, they were saying a lot of things, using a lot of different terms. I wasn't very familiar with like karma and chakras and energy. And so I'm sure that has some, there's, like a, there's a specific field for new ageism or whatnot in the massage world, right? That they, that they use pretty often. And I remember just stepping away from that. I remember being in classroom and they were like, we're going to have a guided meditation. And I just knew that was not found in scripture. I just knew that was not something I should get myself into. And so I would walk away. Then after one so many times, I was uh, approached by one of the teachers there. And she said, hey, Josue, why aren't you participating in a guided meditation? And I said, well, you know, I I'm a Christian and I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says to empty my, empty my mind. I'm pretty sure the Bible tells us to fill our minds, to meditate on God's word to delight in the law. And she said, well, Josue, I'm a Christian. I said, wait, hold up, what? So at that point, she said she was a, a, claiming, a, a proclaimed Christian. She said that her, her parents were evangelists and that somehow it just kind of like cemented that yes, you could be a Christian and do Hindu Buddhistic practices. And she has her own pra practice, her, 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 own, her own place that has a, eastern word i don't know what's called but for everyone around me they didn't know anything that they were doing they didn't know what they were doing was a bad thing they didn't know what they were doing had some demonic um control but after a while one of my friends stopped doing it he told me it made no sense it didn't do anything to him how how ignorant is our how ignorant are christians from these words and these practices Ah, yeah, it's what the word of God says. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Um, it really, when you look at it, if you have any form of knowledge of that world, the world of mysticism, the occult and all that kind of stuff, that you will understand that any form of association as that it's a religion, any form of association, um, would be like taking on different aspects and associations of Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or the Church of Satan. It, it's they're trying to justify certain little bits and pieces. You're literally cherry picking from a false religion and applying it to yourself, to born again Christianity of the word of the living God. And saying, oh, this, this little aspect of Mormonism is okay. This little aspect of Jehovah's Witness is okay. Well, this little part here of the satanic church is okay. Because it's not hurting anybody. And it's just nice and it makes you feel good. Well, yeah, sin is pleasurable for a season, but then there are other ways of death. Ways of death. So, yes, it is rampant ignorance in modern Christianity. And I blame Hollywood a big part for that and also blame a lot of churches for that because the term occult in that whole world is 
taboo. You don't touch it. You don't talk about it. You don't have anything to do with it. And you'd be afraid of the witches. Be afraid of the Satanists. Be afraid of the mystics and the gurus. And okay, just stay away from that. And the the pathological fear of, of trying to stay away from that has caused an ignorance in the minds of people. So all they see is just the outward and they don't understand what it's actually all about and the deeper aspects and the doctrines of it. Um, that's where the ministry I run, Christian Coffee Time, we work a lot on just that and talking about these things and educating people about this, about how even the appearance, the symbolism, the, sign, the sounds, the sights, the smells, the experiences, all the different things about this and practices like hypnotism or uh, meditation, guided meditation, which is hypnotism, and what these things are and what you are actually doing spiritually by participating in the dangers of that. Um, so ignorance of that it'd be like uh, just like a ignorance of another world religion because people mm -hmm. by far don't actually believe that mysticism the occult is a religion right they think it, they think of it as a hobby or something they can maybe mm -hmm. show off to their friends like i almost feel that a lot of christians treat christianity like the military once they're in the military they put on their uniform they take photos and they post it on instagram but they don't really live out their Christian life. They just they just live as a Christian or act as a Christian when there is this, it's like a spectator sport, when there's people watching, you know? But then again, I don't wanna go ahead and, and put words on people's mouth and, and, and assume or, or, or stroke a brush on everybody and they're all the same. I know there are some very genuine, sincere Christians. It's just that there's very few people or it's a lot who really make it bad for everyone else. So. As I was watching this video on YouTube, a girl said that she left, she left the occult because she was starting to, she came across Christianity and there was a video. And then right when she was starting to call out Christ, she had really bad nightmares. She had, she had chills and, and she had, I don't know, there's a lot of symptoms she said she was feeling. Can you explain on that a bit? Yeah, that, that, that's just the spiritual opposition of the enemy trying to dissuade the individual from calling upon the Lord. Um, it, the thing about a lot of modern Christians, uh, younger Christians, um, not even just that, but just Christianity in the past 50 years, uh, I would say, uh, there's a lack of knowledge a lot uh, about the enemy we, we hear all about god all about the love of god the promises of god the love of christ the blessings and the promises and angels and heaven and very little is spoken about hell and the powers of hell and the ways of hell the ways of the demonic we kind of skim over those things and the only people that kind of really touch on that would be like well you got the roman catholic church in the in the 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 right of exorcism and uh, demonology and that. And then you have... Um, I feel like cults do that. Like Jehovah's Witnesses, they really do focus on God's wrath. Yeah, but they, they don't focus on the ways of... Oh, right, the ways right. of darkness. And the hyper-charismatics uh, in their deliverance ministries, they talk all about devils, but the vast majority of their knowledge of devils actually comes mm, from... The right. I understand um, now. So the actual ways of and how the devil works and... and operates a lot of it is for 
uh, what they think is through their own personal speculations, other people's opinions and views, and what they think, and they write that down. And they and people follow more of catechism than they do the Word of God. Mm. And so uh, people follow uh, all these other books you can find in the uh, the the religious bookstores. Or I don't call them Christmas bookstores because they're not Christian. Uh, religious bookstores and uh, so they get all these things on demonology or spiritual warfare and deliverance ministry. And it's just 99% of it's not even in the Bible. And so mm. they talk about even demon names. And they think you have to interrogate devils. Like, a, no, you don't. But uh, the reason why individuals... <laughs> Wait, you said interrogate devils? Like you could just hold them in court? Well, well, it's like, you know, that they say, we, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Tell us your name. How long have you been troubling this person? Why are you here? I forgot who I heard that from. <laughs> Wasn't it Justin Peters who said that that never was mentioned in scripture to bind a yeah. devil? Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as binding devils in the Bible. Um, it's not even biblical. You can't bind devils. Um, now, the reason, as you're talking about that individual, was having those attacks well, the enemy is going to do everything in its power to try to dissuade an individual. Now, when a person has come to the right knowledge of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, of enlightenment of the gospel, and they see their conviction of sin and all this stuff, and they come to that point and they want to call out, the reason they have come to that point is because the Holy Spirit of God is now moving upon them mm. to draw them, to give them that, that moment. Now, because the Holy Spirit is working on devils are limited to a point of what they then can do in return in retaliation but when a person comes upon that point and they're about to call upon the lord very very rarely now i have personally seen it once or twice uh where an individual at that point gets demonically possessed or oppressed and it gets really bad but the Holy Spirit of God brings in grace because now there's a huge spiritual war. There's spiritual right. war between God and the devil over that person's soul right there at that moment. You're going to see evidences of the power of God and the powers of heaven and the powers of hell right there. You're going to see chaos. So you're going to see fear. There's going to be sweating and cold and, or fever or suddenly, suddenly they physically can't even speak. Or they may even come to a point where they feel like they're going to pass out or be sick. Uh, mm. All of that is very common. Uh, I've seen full-on demonic manifestations uh, surround an individual at that moment. Of they're trying their hardest to try to scare the person from calling upon Christ. But when, but when the individual who is leading them calls upon the Lord, and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ commands the devils to be silent and depart, to bind their hands and let the person alone so they may speak the truth of Christ. They then have to give way to the Lord. And you'll, suddenly you'll see the person then be able to, that they'll be released and they'll be able to call upon the Lord. Mm. Uh, so that, that girl was actually experiencing that spiritual battle for her mm. mortal soul. Wow. I, I know... I know when I was listening to her testimony, um, and I'm, I was listening to a lot of videos because I really wanted to have an understanding, at least somewhat of a understanding of what this is. But I also noticed that a lot of them, they gravitate towards the occult because of how new and how different it is. 
Yes, because um, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. And she says that her parents were Christians, and then I finally met them, and then I, I made a decision on my own brain to say they're not Christians. But <laughs> and she said that she was raised Christian, but she did not like the exclusivity of Christianity. She she wanted to have a buffet, and so she enjoyed the occult because that granted her the permission, uh, so to say, to kind of pick and choose what she wants to do. So today I'll do yoga, tomorrow I'll do some chakra alignments, and then I'll do X, Y, and Z. And so what I'm starting to understand from what you're saying is, and from what the Bible constantly says is that the the devil comes in as an angel. He is appealing, he is desirable. And then you yes. get in, then you get entrapped, you get imprisoned. When you want to get out of prison, when you want to get out of this, this spiritual slavery from from Satan, it's a fight. It's not easy. So just because it looks appealing, just because it looks, I want to say, physically beneficial because of yoga, that doesn't always mean it's the best way to the best route. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the uh, I, I've actually touched on that a little bit in my personal testimony. Uh, is what I've actually witnessed a lot of is what actually kind of had led me into that world uh, of the occult as well is that a, a lot of what we see by way of christianity is i like to call it catechismic christianity why is that where, now catechismic christianity is where you you walk talk dress and worship as we teach you it's very structured, it's very uh, systematic, it's very focused on the religiosity of movement and speech. And, and because of that, of the structure, you go to church, you bring your Bible, you pray, you sing the hymns, and that's Christianity. You go and take out the tracts and tell people about Jesus. Now, not diminishing that, not putting that down in any way, shape, or form, right. it, it, but, but because of that, and, and as well, there is a great fear of you know the world of the occult and mysticism and all the other things practices and false religions and you see a lot a lot of the more conservative christians um fearing the more hyper charismatic movement they want to stay away from that so because of that there's a very there's an extreme dryness of the mystical if i could say mystical connection mm. to the word of okay and, and the moving of the power of the spirit of God. There's a, there's a more of a fear of that. So people are avoid that uh, with great intent. And because of that, they create a void and a dryness of that. So there, there is no sense. There's no motion. There's no deeper spiritual aspect. It's, it's more of a focusing on doing the things right. Now, because of that, a lot of people, they go to church, they see the building, they see the pews, they see the hymn books, they see the stained glass, they see the, the pulpit, and the, they see the motions and, and doing all this stuff, and you just wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, and that's all there is, and there's no, nothing else, really. Okay. And especially for the younger generation, where they're very much driven by emotion, by imagination, and by uh, the senses that they don't find this and, and, and it's the younger generation gets bored 
they get bored with this and they get frustrated with this mm. because they're, they're, they're hoping and longing for something, but they're constantly told that any sense, anything else, anything else than what we have shown you is bad. Mm. So they get tired and bored of Christianity. And this is the, where you see the great falling away is people are tired with the structure of Christianity. Yeah. I mean, I know as a, when I was a lot younger, that was kind of me. That was um, that was kind of me in high school. I, I I started to feel that monotonous of I read a scripture one day, I go to church, open up the Bible, and then I go home, and then that's all Christianity. That, that's it. But then I remember going to downtown, and I saw a church. Well, members of a church, they were they were evangelizing, and so I I, I wanted to kind of get myself in there. Right? I was like. I want to do what they're doing. I want to see what it's all about. And I remember they were calling a Haven Arrest Baptist Church. And it was under Pastor Wayne Goodall. And he was just, he was this older man, strong, short guy, five foot five. And he'd be outside between seven and 10 o'clock around the clubs and the bars and at night passing out Bible tracts and Yale students. And I, and I, I was like, how do you do this? What is this? And he's like, this is the Great Commission. So we're called to do. He says, the church, you go once a week, if not twice. But that's just a portion of, that's a portion of a Christian's life. The real deal is the field. The real deal is the field. The real deal is evangelizing. And so what all you're doing is just going to church, but you're not trying to share the gospel with the person you're working with. Or you're not trying to share the gospel with the, your friend or your neighbor or you're not trying to go out there and, and, and share the gospel that can save people with eternal life. And your Christianity is just all about waking up on Sunday morning, going to church for an hour and a half, and, and that's it. That's a very poor, like, Christianity. That's, that's, that's no growth. You're giving God an hour and a half when there's 166 hours in a week. How much transformation can you get from that? So with that, I... Um... That's one thing I like to present in the ministry uh, Christian Coffee Time is is kind of examining the roots of this. We go back to uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 11, and they steadfastly held to the apostles' doctrine and, and in fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. The simplicity of born-again Christianity, but not focusing so much on religiosity as religiosity is not Chris Christian. It, it is Christianity is Christ. It's Christ follower, following Christ. If you look at the disciples and the apostles when they followed Christ, what did Christ show them? What did he teach them? We see passion. We see fervency. We see zealousness. We see emotion. We see tears. We see anger. We see laughter. We see living it in every mm. moment, in everything, everywhere Amen. you're going, enjoying the life, enjoying life with Christ. You bring Christ into it and what's in whatsoever you do even in eating and drinking do all to the glory of god so we see in everything bringing christ as a part of this learning learning how to live with christ in christ through christ in all that you do now as well as we see now this is where probably our cessationist cessationistic friends might uh, have a stroke but we take we see in the word of god where it talks about miracles well, actually, if you look at Corinthians, it only says three things are passed away. Words of knowledge, tongues, and 
fore, foretelling like the Old Testament style prophets. Those three mm -hmm. things are passed away. Doesn't say anything else has passed away. I challenge anyone to show me where it says anything else has passed away. But uh, and people say, well, I'll come from, we pray and it doesn't happen. Well, how are you walking your devotions? How's your prayer life? How's your devotional life? How are you fasting and praying? Are you doing what the scriptures have, have commanded us to do? Are you doing that because you want to? Are you doing that because you have to? So you want to examine intent of attitude of heart. Miracles are 100% real. And, it, and if your life doesn't demonstrate these kinds of things, then this is where we want to examine ourselves. Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. So you, you want to live in revival. You want mm -hmm. to live in the joy of the Lord. For Hebrews 1.9, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, and the Lord, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Where's the gladness of God? Because this is one thing I absolutely love, the new series, The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen it. Is it good? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. The, the way they present Christ in there, so personable, laughing, and just like so human. And he like to go in the weddings and laughing with the disciples and they're joking and having fun and going and preaching. And we see Jesus, he would do a miracle. And then he'd step back and he'd just grin at everybody's reaction. <laughs> this, this Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. He's, he wasn't some super somber, long-faced Pharisee. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, he, he the, the calloused hands, and he, he loved to be with people. He was a people person, very social. And he, he went to the weddings and the parties, and he went to the people, and he went to them, and he showed them, and he taught them, and he healed them, and he helped them. And the laughter... He like they're playing with the children and everything. We see Jesus in scripture. We, we get this weird conjured picture that's been uh, pounded into our brains through religion of this, of, of almost like a Catholic Jesus. You know, just so, so right with the halo and he just so somber. And, mm. No, it's like you and me. Right. Yeah, without sin, but like you and me. He liked to hang out. Say, you it's, know, how was your day? Now, yeah. this this Jesus, if this Jesus was preached more in churches, we'd see a lot less problems because this Jesus brings a passion, brings an attachment, is someone that I want to connect with. I want to be his friend. I want to walk. I want to see him. I want to hear him. I want to sit at his feet. I want to be shown and entertained and taught and helped and guided and guarded by this Jesus, a Jesus that has passion, a Jesus that cares. Man, that's that's true. I mean, I've I've never heard of a sermon of anyone talk about did, did Jesus ever laughed? Did he ever say anything somewhat funny in the scriptures? Can we find a humorous verse that he he said? And so I I think a Jesus that laughs, a Jesus of who 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 said smart funny things is not the Jesus that anyone knows of, but it is the Jesus that we worship. He is the Christ who who, I mean, he's, he's hanging out with 12, 12 men. He was 100% man, 100% God, the God-man, God manifest in the flesh. And when we look throughout Scripture, when we look throughout Scripture, God, as dealing all since the beginning of Genesis, you look through, we see God has passion, has, has, has a 
has character. He has personal attributes. We see God laughs in the Old Testament. We see uh, talks about this and the passion of this and the enjoyment of this and and uh, it, how he would fellowship with his with his servants, or with his prophets and priests and kings. We see the attitude, and the characteristics it, that God is a person. Mm. He's a person. And for God to come down manifest in human flesh, he will also have a personal identity and character and right. personality so with all of this so why strip god of that which makes him also human as he came down in the flesh why strip his humanity so we focus on you know the righteous sovereign god as he rightfully is but we also have, have a tendency sometimes through our religious indoctrination of religiosity and catechism to strip him of anything that would give him human characteristic mm. that we could connect with god way above us but the bible says he's so close he's closer than our brother uh, he he grieves with us he laughs with us he cries with us he longs with us the spirit of the living god within us this see this jesus this god this God brings something to the table. He, he brings a, a spiritual connection that goes beyond physical connection. Of something that actually fulfills that desire within us of something mystical, spiritual. Something of that, of longing for a God that is so personal, that cares so much that when you pray, things happen. When you witness you see the power that that when you fellowship and you sing, you feel the moving of, of the Lord and His joy, as these smiles, as a, the worship of His saints. To bring that passion and that fervency back to the faith is what we are are trying so hard to do. Wow, man, that's great words there. Wow, I, you know, I, I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Matthew, I want to say uh, one thing. I want you to, to talk about, uh, for those who don't know, he, he, you evangelize, you go in the streets, you you preach the gospel, to pe you, you cold approach to people. I know one of the struggles I've had, and I just face them head on, but for many other people who don't know, give us some advice on how to go street preaching. Should we be like that angry man in the corner we see on YouTube or Instagram or and, and yell because the more you yell, the more of a fervent preacher you are from Christ. Or should we be soft-spoken, like we see in some of these, you know, Christ yeah, yeah. Christ movies? Yeah, the turn or burn evangelism is is so unbiblical that that's not even that that's not even of Christ. The turn or burn. You see the people out there with the placards covered in flames, you know, you know, you're gonna go to hell, you're gonna burn in hell, oh you're a sinner, you're all condemned and you know, that kind of thing and wearing the flaming shirts that, uh, that talk about you know, how you're condemned and the wrath of God, all that kind of thing. You're trying to scare people into heaven. Uh, could you please show me in the Bible where Jesus evangelized like that? Hmm. And but rather you see Jesus and what he would do is he would he would call out in passion and and calling people to the love to the for, to the repentance to the understanding of God differently we see a different passion in there not Jesus never evangelized in anger nor did he evangelize yes he talked about hell yes he talked about judgment but he talked about it in a different way he talked about it in grace 
that yes, there's this, but grace. And he focused on grace and mercy. And Jesus went and sat with the publicans and sinners. Now, people forget that. Now, he sat with the publicans and sinners, the harlots and the drunkards and all the rest of them. But they, the sinners, wanted to sit with him and hear what he had to say about righteousness in the kingdom of God. So how can we tailor our message in such a way that people would want to listen to us? Who wants to stand and listen to a guy who's screaming and ranting and frothing at the mouth and screaming about the hate and wrath and judgment of God? No one. You're not going to see anyone come to the Lord in that manner. Now, people are going to laugh at you. You're, you're a laughing stock. You're driving people away from this. People are taking videos of that because they think you're hilarious. That's why you wind up with social media, not because you're being successful, but because you're misrepresenting the faith. Yes, uh, there are prophets that went and preached about the judgment of God, but you see, they didn't bring anger and wrath. They brought woes and they sowed in tears, pleading with the people to repent because otherwise this. You look at the judgment of God that was going to come upon Nineveh. And he sent Jonah to go and tell them about the judgment. But what did he do? He preached repentance and they turned and sought the forgiveness in forgiveness before God in sought repentance. And then God stayed his judgment. So we are called to go into the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. What is the gospel? How to be born again. Unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. But how can I repent? Who is Jesus? So what we see a, a great failing in a lot of ways in, in, evangel in evangelism. Yes, there's a lot of evangelists out there, many different types and, and stripes. I follow the George Whitfield method, which is biblical purism, as I just memorize Bible verses and just quote Bible verses. I'm just specifically focusing on how to be born again. So what we see uh, in a lot of these guys is they don't really present the fullness of the identity of Jesus Christ. Not everybody who believes in Jesus will go to heaven. All because you love Jesus and believe in Jesus doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Because which Jesus are you believing in? All right. Because the Mormons believe in Jesus, Jehovah's Witnesses believe in Jesus, Catholics believe in Jesus, Seventh-day Adventists believe in Jesus, Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus believe in Jesus. And many who call themselves Christians believe in Jesus, but will hear name not found written. And they'll cry, Lord, Lord. Mm. Now, why? Jesus says, if you do not believe that I am, you'll die in your sin. Now, in the, in the Koine Greek, that's John 8, 24. In the Koine Greek, I am means ego emi, which is the always existing one. Jesus says, if you do not believe that I'm the always existing one, you'll die in your sins. What is that? I am all, the always existing one is the same I am name that God gave to Moses out of the burning bush. That is the name of almighty God. If you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifest in the flesh, you will not see heaven. If your Jesus isn't God, you're not saved. So to be able to present to them the full Jesus, because the world, they don't know who Jesus is. They have their own, they have their own Jesus. They have their own made exactly. up Jesus. The one that the Oprah Winfrey Jesus, the Ecotole yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so there's so many different Jesus out there where Jesus said many false Christs will arise. Many will come mm -hmm. in my name and uh, saying I'm Christ and will deceive many. And uh, now when we look at evangelism, you are evangelizing. You are teaching them. You're instructing them. You are turning meat into milk. 
You want to simplify the word of God to such a point that a child can understand it. And, and you want to make it so simple, so basic that they understand. And you want them to have that light bulb moment. Mm. Okay. Of who Jesus is, why he came to the cross. You are showing them who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he did, and now what you need to do. And you want to simplify this. Mm -hmm. So you want to show the, the full identity of Jesus Christ and how to be born again, as the scriptures have said. That's true. I know uh, Ray Comfort says that when he preaches the gospel, it's 90% law and then 10% grace. And by that, he means we first need to expose people and tell them that they are a sinner. And then tell them that once that you acknowledge you're a sinner, now we have Christ. Because if you don't know that you're a sinner, you're not going to think or I, you're not going to know that you need a savior. Um, do people need to know the entire Bible to preach the gospel? Can, can they just know a few verses to kind of get by? When the uh, jailer came running out of the prison, fell at the feet of the apostle Paul, and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did Paul say? You're asking me, he says, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Mm. It, it, now, if you take a look and break that down, it's Acts 16 verses 30 to 31. In there where, where Paul talking about Jesus, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's key. Right there, you see that Paul's presenting the true Jesus. Now, the world has gone and corrupted this so that in the mindset of the vast majority of people, they see Jesus Christ as first name, last name, Jesus Christ. First name, last name. That's wrong. The Christ. This is where I actually find it kind of funny where Muslims or those kinds of people say, Jesus Christ isn't God. You're literally saying Jesus who is God is not God because the Christ <laughs> means Christ means the anointed one, the promised one, the prophesied one, the one of the prophets like Isaiah 9, 6, that calls the, the baby in the manger, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Micah 5, 2, the one born in Bethlehem is the one whose ways of old, even of everlasting, the almighty one is what this is saying. Even the prophets say this, Jesus claimed to be God and the apostles taught this. Christ is God, the spirit of God that was promised that would come down manifesting in the flesh to save his people from their sins, Isaiah 53. That's what Christ means. Then Jesus is the Christ. He is the almighty God manifested in the flesh, the visible image of the invisible God. First uh, Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. John chapter 1 verses 1 and 14, the word which is God became flesh and dwelt among us. God become flesh so that we might behold him. So when Paul said to the jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he was using the Hebrew terms there of Christ of scripture to show this man that this is who Jesus is. He is the Christ, Lord Jesus, who is the Christ. Believe on this Jesus, believe on him. Now to believe. Now when you look at the words, he says, he said, believe on. He didn't say believe in. Now, that is interesting as well in the very words. Now, because the English language is limited, and in the Greek, they have a lot more words to describe a certain thing, so they get a lot more accurate on the description. The same in the Hebrew. Now, and this, so they translated this in a way of saying believe on. 
Believing in is intellectualism. Believing on is different. It's a deeper... Oh, uh, see, I, I didn't know that. I was, in the, I was like, I'm wondering in my head, like, what does it mean by that? But that's because true. You can, believe, you can believe in Jesus and go straight to hell. Mm. And you can believe on. You make it personal. It's of the heart. It's a confession of the belief of the heart. As Romans 10, 9 to 10 says, is to confess with your mouth the belief of your heart. Mm. As you make it personal. It goes deeper than intellectualism. It's more than just enlightenment. This is now something that is a part of your very being. You're calling upon him because you know it to be true. This is the truth. This is the only way, truth, and life. And I accept this. I believe in this. I make it personal. Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Save me. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Brother Matthew, before we end this, can you can you share the gospel with those who are listening? And then we'll end it with that. Absolutely. Now, to tie this into what you're talking about, about evangelism, people need to understand your own words will not convict the hearer. Your own words do not convict the heart, the soul, the mind. It do not convict of sin. Our own phraseology, our own explanations, all of that do nothing. It's the word of God that convicts. It's the word of God that brings the understanding. It's the word of God that does all the work. So you need to know how to explain it from the word of God. You need to memorize the Bible. You need to have a Bible with you, memorize the Bible, that use scripture, not our own words. So from this, you the best way to do it is to start with the springboard. Now, my personal springboard in, I use in street preaching, for example, is Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth on him shall receive remission of sins. And then you back up and start explaining that using all other scripture passages to explain this. To him, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophets gave witness. The prophets testified, Isaiah 7, 14, that the virgin birth, the virgin shall conceive, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we look at Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called, uh, called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And you look at Isaiah 53, which is the work, because you see the arrival, the identity, the work. Isaiah 53, which talks about how, how he came to save his people from their sins. And so the whole point of his coming is, is to save us from our condemnation of sin. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, it's only through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ alone, for under heaven there is no other name that, that is named among men whereby we must be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall swear. And to him, so we want to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus says, you must believe in me. If you believe in me, you shall never die, believest thou this. Now, why would we die? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For all have sinned, all are fallen away, all have become corrupt. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So we can't do any good works, as for it's by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by righteous works which we have done, but by his mercy saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's a work of the Spirit of God, not us. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by, by the works of the law shall no man be justified, but by the faith of Christ. We see faith of Jesus Christ that saves us, not works, not righteous works, not works of the law. You can't do anything but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, as Paul said to the jailer. 
Jesus says, unless you, unless you be born again, you, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There's, you were born once physically. You're born into sin. Your spirit is dead in sin. You must be born into everlasting life. Your spirit must be born into life. And this is what Jesus is talking about. It's not the flesh born again. It's the spirit that's born again. So the spirit, in your spirit, you must believe. You must acknowledge the truth of this and acknowledge the Lord God. Acknowledge that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. First John 5, 20, Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. First Timothy 4, 10, we trust in the living God, which is the savior of all men. First Timothy 3, 16, God was manifest in the flesh. Acts 20, 28, God purchased the church with his own blood. Our Lord, our God, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, he fashioned a body body for himself so he came down and dwelt that body showed himself to the world and jesus says if you've seen me you've seen the father i and the father are one where god so loved you he made a way because for god so loved the world it doesn't say god loves it says god so loved for greater love hath no man than this and a man will lay down his life for his friend and that's what jesus did because he so loved us he gave himself jesus says i have power to lay down my life and take it up again no man taketh it from me i give unto them eternal life no man takes them out of my hand jesus says jesus who was worshipped jesus who forgave sins jesus who claimed the names of god jesus who raised the dead healed the sick cast out devils jesus says he has power life and death jesus says he gives eternal life jesus says you're a sinner and you must be saved you must believe in me i am the way the truth and the life no man comes unto the father but by me you must go through the lord jesus christ so how can you do that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth confession is made known with the heart and believe unto righteousness. And in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins by the riches of his grace. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. That I didn't merit it. I didn't earn it. It's not a reward. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. And in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise your sins are forgiven you're sealed by the spirit of god by belief alone is what the word of god says by the grace of god by believing faith if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the belief of your heart upon the lord god jesus christ who so loved you he gave himself for you that the wages of sin is death he died on that cross and without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins he shed his blood he shed his blood and died on the cross as the lamb of god which will take away the sin of the world as john the baptist said he was buried in the ground and he raised himself the third day as he said he would he says now if you just believe in me you'll be born again and all your sins will be washed away Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be washed whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be washed white like wool. May you promise this. Hebrews 8, 12. In whom, in whom we believe, as Hebrews 8, 12 says, and I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Oh, man, Brother Matthew, I'm just, I'm over here excited. I'm excited because when I hear the good news, Amen. I can't. I can't do nothing else but be, but have a huge smile on my face. Thank you a lot. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you just stepping in, taking some time off today, and just having the, uh, this nice conversation. I'm sure many of those Thank who are listening you, in. I hope you guys. If you guys want to follow Brother Matthew, I'll make sure I put his information, his Instagram, on the description below. I think he also has the Christian Coffee a group. So I don't know how you go about that information. There's videos. There's content I can go ahead and share. 
Yeah, we have our website, uh, christiancoffeetime.ca, as we are Canada-based, so christiancoffeetime.ca, and you can find all of our information and everything there. Perfect. Hey, by the way, before we leave on, are you familiar with David Lynn? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I not know him personally, but I know who he is. He's a preacher in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, a famous uh, preacher there, a street preacher, an apologist, a great evangelist. Yeah, he's he's quite a firecracker. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of him also. I watch a lot of him on YouTube. By the way, guys, um, if you guys have not, again, have not subscribed, you guys have not uh, supported my podcast, I would just encourage you guys to go ahead and support in whichever way you guys can. I do um, can take in some a charity on the anchor.fm. Apart from that, go ahead and share, like, rate. All that stuff has been great and all that stuff has been helping me out. Until then, guys, may the grace of God and the peace of the Holy Spirit guide you guys into all blessings. Until next time, peace out, guys.